Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I am with you, and I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be with you. This is a most beautiful, beautiful day. It's the exaltation of the Holy Cross. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, um, uh, I will bring life to the world. If I am lifted up, I will bring life to the world. Um, And he was lifted up on the cross. And uh, let's see how many years before then... Um, 1,500 or so years before them, our Lord, um, in condemning the Jewish people who had sinned against him, had Moses lift up a serpent in the wilderness. And our Lord said in John chapter 3, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, whoever who looked at that snake was saved physically from the plague put upon them as punishment for their sin. So would the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever looks on him and believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. It's a magnificent day, not just the exaltation of the Holy Cross, but the vigil of Our Lady of Sorrows. So truly, truly, truly a beautiful, beautiful time. And I always look to Dom Garanger, um, who uh, in the 1800s wrote the 15-volume set on the liturgical year, and all of his writings are just purely devotional. And um, Father Ripker's website, censusfidelium.com, has captured them all. And um, let me just um, read to you a bit of today's feast. Through thee, the precious cross is honored and worshipped throughout the world. Thus did St. Cyril of Alexandria apostrophize Our Lady on the morrow of that great day, which saw her divine maternity vindicated at Ephesus. Eternal wisdom has willed that the octave of Mary's birth should be honored by the celebration of this feast of the triumph of the Holy Cross. This is the octave of Mary's nativity on September 8th, and the octave is today, September 14th. Um, We don't celebrate octaves anymore. They've been robbed. We've been robbed of them. The church has done away with so much worship, so much tradition that has helped us to live and walk with Christ through his earthly life. They've just done away with it. So we have a holy day here, a holy day there, a feast here, a feast there. We don't walk with him anymore through the entire year, unless you're in the Latin parish and you live the entire liturgical year. It is so beautiful. It'd be a, If you have not done that, see, it. many people say, well, there's a Latin Mass here, there's a Latin Mass here. That's nice, it's good, I don't belittle that. But it's a Latin parish that we live the entire liturgical year. So many bishops don't understand that. Well, if you have a Latin Mass, you have a Novus Ordo parish that has a Latin Mass too, what's wrong with that? Well, it's a step in the right direction, but it's does not live the liturgical year. It does not. And I, re, I mean, growing up, and I've mentioned this before, my conservative Jewish home, which uh, didn't last as conservative once we left home, but 
we knew where we were. We knew where we were at, at preparing for Passover, during Passover, following Passover. It's the same thing for Easter. It's the Paschal Feast. We prepare for it, we live it, and we um, uh, uh, celebrate uh, the entire year in relation to that. We know where we are. The Passover began um, the liturgical year. Um, and we knew where we were. And Catholics don't know where they are. They know where you know, the, the Roman calendar, uh, they know where they are in terms of, um, you know, feast days that the world knows as well. But we don't walk with Christ through his journey. And I, I wonder if anybody out there who doesn't go to the Latin Mass has, was aware at all that Our Lady's Nativity was an octave and culminates in the exaltation of the Holy Cross, which began with her first sorrow, Simeon's prophecy, that a sword would also pierce her heart. And that was at the foot of the cross when her son was crucified. Dom Geringer says, the cross indeed is the standard of God's armies. Whereof Mary is the queen? It is by the cross that she crushes the serpent's head, that she crushes the serpent's head and wins so many victories over error and over the enemies of the Christian name. By this sign thou shalt conquer. Satan had been suffered to try his strength against the church by persecution and tortures, but this time was drawing to an end. By the edict of Sardica, which emancipated the Christians, Galerius, when about to die, acknowledged the powerlessness of hell now was the time for Christ to take the offensive and for his cross to prevail. Toward the close of the year 311, a Roman army lay at the foot of the Alps, preparing to pass from Gaul into Italy. Constantine, its commander, thought only of revenging himself for an injury received from Maxentius, his political rival. But his soldiers, as unsuspecting as their chief, already belonged henceforth to the Lord of hosts, the Son of the Most High, having become a son of Mary, king of this world, was about to reveal himself to his first lieutenant, and at the time to discover his first army, the standard that was to go before it. Above the legions, in a cloudless sky, the cross, proscribed for three long centuries, suddenly shone forth, shone forth, all eyes beheld it, making the western sun, as it were, its footstool, and surrounded with these words in characters of fire. In hoc vince, by this be thou conqueror. Can you imagine, beloved, a cross appearing in the sky with the sun at his footstool, with a sign in hoc vince, by this be thou conqueror? A few months later, the 27th of October, 312, all the idols of Rome stood aghast to behold, approaching along the Flamian Way, beyond the bridge Milvius, the labyrinth with its sacred monogram, now become the standard of the imperial armies. On the morrow was fought the decisive battle, which opened the gates of the eternal city to Christ, the only God, 
the everlasting king. You know, as a Protestant trying to save Catholics for 18 years, uh, we were taught that Christianity went underground with Constantine because of that supposed miracle and uh, when he ordered uh, everyone to worship Christ and to celebrate Christianity. And my Protestant friends would say, no, they didn't ask Jesus into their heart. They're not true Christians. That was just, uh, it's false. Christianity went underground with Constantine. On the contrary. Hail, O cross, formidable to all enemies, bulwark of the church, strength of princes, hail in thy triumph. The sacred wood still lay hidden in the earth, yet it appeared in the heavens, announcing victory, and an emperor, become Christian, raised it up from the bowels of the earth. Thus sang the Greek church yesterday in its celebration, in preparation for the joys of today. For the East, which has not our uh, peculiar feast of the 3rd of May, celebrates on this one solemnity, both the overthrow of idolatry by the sign of salvation revealed to Constantine and his army and the discovery of the Holy Cross a few years later in the cistern of Golgotha. You see, beloved, it wasn't the overthrow of Christianity. It was the revelation of Christianity. Oh, that Protestants would study their history. Oh, that their church fathers would not be Lutherans, Wingley, and Calvin and all of them. But go back 2,000 years to Ignatius, to those who were discipled, Polycarp, discipled by John the Evangelist. Another celebration, the memory of which is fixed by the menology on the 13th of September, was added in the year 335 to the happy recollections of this day, namely the dedication of the basilicas raised by Constantine on Mount Calvary and over the Holy Sepulchre after the precious discoveries made by his mother, St. Helena. In the very same century that witnessed all these events, a pious pilgrim, thought to be St. Sylvia, sister of Rufinius, the, mist, the minister of Theodosius and Arcadius, attested that the anniversary of this dedication was celebrated with the same solemnity as Easter and the Epiphany. Makes sense to me. The discovery of the Holy Cross, the revelation of the Holy Cross. There was an immense concourse of bishops, clerics, monks, and seculars of both sexes from every province. And the reason, she says, is that the cross was found on this day, which motive had led to the choice of the same day for the primitive consecration so that the two joys might be united in one. Oh, it was St. John Henry Cardinal Newman, who said to dig deep into history is to cease to be Protestant. Catholics, you need to know your history. This is your history. This is your treasure. And this is our first break. So call in with anything on your heart, toll free, uh, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
We are helping to bring the Catholic community together through our Catholic Community Events page. You can discover the details about a community calendar event that you've heard on the air. Just click on the events tab at thestationofthecross.com and find your local station. If your parish or Catholic organization has an upcoming event and you'd like to get the word out, you can submit it for consideration under the events tab as well at thestationofthecross.com. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are... Um, in the, the middle, uh, toward the beginning, actually, yet of an article on the exaltation of the Holy Cross by Dom Garanger, I'm just going to read us a little further into it. It's just so wonderful, and we need to know who we are as the people of God. And it continues, um, through not being aware of the nearness of the dedication of Anastasia, or Church of the Resurrection, to the Feast of the Holy Cross, Many have misunderstood the discourse pronounced on this feast by Sophronius, the holy patriarch of Jerusalem. It is the feast of the cross, he says. It is the feast of the cross who would not, who would not exalt. It is the triumph of the resurrection. Who would not be full of joy? Formerly, the cross led to the resurrection. Now it is the resurrection that introduces us to the cross. Resurrection and cross, trophies of our salvation. And the pontiff then developed the instructions resulting from this connection. Beloved, why did our Lord die? Why is he lifted up on the cross? Why should the cross and our Lord be exalted? Why, 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 why? Did Jesus have to die? What's the answer? Yes. What do you mean yes? Did he have to? Yes. Yes. Because God planned it that way, yes. 
Sovereignty planned it that way. All of history is his story. The entire salvation points to Christ. He is the center point of all history, every bit of it. And I'm going to give you a little illustration that brought me to believe in Christ um, in, 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 my, in, in my 30s. Um, uh, it was the understanding that according to God, um, um, there is no shedding, forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. In other words, someone must die, just as God needed to put animals to death in the garden to clothe Adam and Eve, uh, their nakedness, which they realized from their sin uh, of disobedience to God. It's always been uh, the blood of an animal that has to cover our sins. The highest holy day of the Jewish year, Yom Kippur. Yom is day, Kippur is covering. Um, it's the day of covering. Those dead animals in the Old Testament could never save us. They could never take away our sin, but they were all of them signs to the one who would come and take away our sin. So in the Old Covenant, under Moses, the Old Law, which was not abolished but fulfilled by Christ, the individual would bring a perfect little lamb, a four-legged, perfect one-year-old, adorable creature without blemish, without spot. It had to be a perfect offering representing a holy offering for a holy God. One blemish wouldn't be, the lamb would not be acceptable. A perfect lamb. And the individual would bring that little four-legged creature to the priest uh, in the holy place. And here is the priest. Uh, You are the priest. And I am the sinful person and here is here is my lamb and the individual would come with that perfect little creature and they'd put their hand on the head of that little four-legged creature and it was a symbolic act symbolic of the sin passing from the individual onto that lamb and now that individual um that lamb, rather, who is innocent, uh, symbolized by his being without blemish or spot, but who now had taken upon himself, symbolically, the sin of this person, was slain because the wages of sin is death, and his blood sprinkled on the altar as an offering to God for this person's sin. Uh, I never understood that, but I came to understand it when it was explained to me that the blood of bulls and goats and lambs so sacrificed through 1,500 years of the Mosaic sacrificial system could never take away sin. They were dead. But every one of them, millions of them, together and individually, were signs to point to the one who one day would come and take upon himself not the sin of one single individual temporarily, ineffectually, symbolically for a time, but the sin of the entire world, past, present, and future for all time. That is why when our Lord Jesus came into the Jordan, John the Baptist looked at him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, the Lamb, the Lamb, to whom all Old Testament lambs pointed, not a dead lamb, but a living lamb, a lamb without blemish, without spot, because without sin. And he came, and he went on that cross, and the sins 
of the entire world were placed, there's the cross, were placed on him who took him, sinless, who took our sins and became the sin offering for us, died for the sin that separated us from God, no one else. If we lived a billion years and uh, performed uh, 10 billion sacrifices, nothing would be enough to get us back to God because one sin separates us from God for all eternity and only the blood of a sinless lamb could atone for it and the blood of the sinless son of God, the lamb of God, did that. And so to say, Lord, I want to be a good person, I want to do this, I want to offer you, this is a good thing, but it will not get you to heaven. Putting your trust in the Lamb of God, the only acceptable sacrifice. If we don't get to heaven through him, we don't get to heaven. You say, but I'm Jewish, it has nothing to do with me, it has everything to do with you. He's your Jewish Messiah. He came through the line of David. He's the son of David from Abraham through Isaac, through Jacob, through Judah, through David, to Christ. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Mary. He's your Jewish Messiah. He's the salvation of the world. He's the one whom Isaiah prophesied would come and bear our sins, and he did that. And there's no salvation for anyone, Muslim, atheist, Jew, Protestant, Catholic, except to put your trust in Christ and the church he established. They're one and the same. Well, I believe in Jesus, but not his church. Then you don't believe in Jesus because the church is his body, not metaphorically, truly. Well, I I love my husband, but I, I want nothing to do with his left arm. Forget it. You don't love your husband. You love what you want about him, and you don't accept him. The church is Christ. If you don't accept the Catholic Church, you have received and bought into a truncated Christ who doesn't exist, a Christ who is not Savior, a Christ who is not head of his church. The Catholic Church is the church. It is Judaism, as Roy Shoman says, Orthodox Jew who became a fantastic Catholic. He said, Catholicism is Judaism fulfilled in its Messiah, and spread to the four corners of the earth, which it is. Jesus came through the Jews, for the Jews, for the entire world. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And if you believe in Jesus, say, but I don't believe in all that church stuff, it's man-made, then you don't believe in Jesus. You believe in a God of your own making, because Jesus did come in the flesh and did form his church on Israel. and spread to the four corners of the earth. There is no salvation apart from Christ. There is no salvation apart from his church. And you say, well, I'm Protestant, and I'm more faithful than any Catholic I ever met. You may be. You may be. So will that unfaithful Catholic get into heaven before you? Probably not. Probably as a faithful Protestant, you'll be in heaven before that Catholic. But if you become Catholic, you will honor the God who died for you, who gave himself for you. And you will eat his body and blood without which there is no salvation. If you have questions about that, beloved, feel free to call in. Now, during the break, toll free one eight seven seven 
Text at that number, email at mother uh, at the station of the cross.com. There's not too much time to pay attention to what God is doing on the earth and the evil that he's allowed. You need to focus on your salvation. If you're living in sin, you have to get out of it. Otherwise, you are willing yourself and the person you claim to love to hell. That's not love. Get right with God. Repent. Don't wait. You say, well, I've been in sin too long. There's no hope for me. There's every hope for you. He died for you before you were even born. He died for every sin you would commit. He knew it all. And there's no forgiveness for you unless you receive it. It's a gift that you need to receive. You need to come and repent and tell God how sorry you are for living a rebellious, sinful life. And if you've been turned away from the church by sinful prelates, by priests who don't live their faith, by a bad confession, bad confessor, by bishops who have lost their faith and are doing all sorts of abominable things, don't you let any man, any person, any prelate, priest, bishop, pope, don't you let them determine your eternal salvation. The Catholic Church is the ark of salvation, and there's no salvation outside of it. The faith is the faith, says Jude, once delivered to the saints. It cannot change. Truth cannot change. If you're not sure what is true, just look up the documents from our past popes. Look at catholic.com. What should we say? Okay, Um, we're coming to our break. Uh, beloved, it is the feast of the exaltation of the Holy Cross. We need to hold Jesus up. We need to exalt him. We need to lift him up. How do we do that? By marching with a crucifix or a cross? That's okay. We knew it. We do it by being living signs to him in the world. If you live your faith, you will be contrary to the world. If you live your faith, you will be contrary to the world. And that includes what we do, what we fail to do. How we dress. If we dress like the world, how's anybody going to know we're different? I have people here, you know, or in other places, Latin mass goers who are immodest, who dress their children in what I would call underwear, and who, uh, I won't describe it all, it's terrible. It's terrible, beloved. We need to be in the world and not of it. We need to be contrary to the world. We need to draw the world to Christ. I didn't plan to do this this morning, but it's the exaltation of the Holy Cross. And how can we lift him up if we live like pagans? How do we go to church on Sunday and live the rest of the week as if God doesn't exist? And not we know the way of salvation, and we go to work with people who are pagans, and we don't reach out to them. We don't tell them their life's in danger of hell. How is it possible? How is it possible? We need to be God's army, truly the remnant. We need to give our lives for Christ, beloved. We'll be right back after the break.
Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for September 14th. Today we celebrate the exaltation of the Holy Cross. This feast celebrates the finding of the cross on which Jesus died. In Jesus' day, a cross was a threat to anyone who defied Rome's authority. Through Jesus' death, it became a symbol of victory. In the 4th century, St. Helena, mother of the Roman Emperor Constantine, went to Jerusalem in search of the holy places of Christ's life. Among those was the Temple of Aphrodite, thought to be built over the tomb of Jesus. Constantine ordered the Basilica of the Holy Sepulchre to be built on that site. During the process of excavation and construction, workers found three crosses. Legend has it that the one on which Jesus died was identified when its touch healed a dying woman. That cross immediately became an object of veneration. Both Catholic and Orthodox churches in the East celebrate the exaltation of the Holy Cross today on the anniversary of the dedication of the Basilica. The feast entered the Western Church calendar in 629 after the cross was recovered from the Persians who had carried it off 15 years earlier. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I didn't take my faith seriously, which which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. I mean, the reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's, it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live. We are here. This is our half hour together, and I'm thrilled to be with you and to take your calls, your texts, your emails. Um, toll free, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Good morning, James. Are you there for us? I'm here, mother. Good Great. morning. Hi, honey. So we have a few callers on the line, so I'd like to go to those first, and then we'll take a few emails with whatever time we have left today. So let's first go to Marie in Canada. Welcome to the show, Marie, and go ahead with your comment or question for Mother. Hi, Marie. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call, Mother, and sure. um, I really appreciate your show. I listen to you regularly. Thank um, you. <clears throat> so I would like to, if I could, borrow from your experience and your, your knowledge, um, I have a good friend who is a sister, as in a nun, and um, she, I'm a layperson, she has, um, she, she would like to basically start a community, a religious community like you have done, and she's in the beginning stages of the process. Um, she's chosen a name, and she's, she's had the name approved um, by the government for, I guess, tax purposes and whatnot, and um, she feels more of an urgency now than ever to, to get the ball rolling with, what, with what's going on in the world and so on. So her next 
uh, step would be to find some property. And she's asked me to help her with that. We've gone to look at some properties and um, the money, she, she has supporters who will um, back her, but um, when it comes time to, I guess, someday eventually purchase property, in the meantime, she wants to consider renting something. Um, now, after having done some legwork and gone to look at some properties, the amount that she sort of has in mind um, for a monthly rental fee um, would probably only get her like a a basement apartment or a studio apartment, let alone uh, something suitable, you know, for <clears throat> a convent, basically. And uh, we did find one property that she really loved and thought it was uh, would be so suitable for what she has in mind. But the 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 um, selling price, the asking price was in the millions. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so I, I feel like I'm at a loss to how to help her. And I thought maybe you could shed some light on your experience on um, how can I help her and where to go from here. What does she want to do? What sort of a community does she want to form? Um, I know she wants to have perpetual adoration. Um, in her community, and uh, I believe um, she wants a focus on uh, the family and marriage. That's that's what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, she's already a sister. Is she in final vows? Oh, she's been a sister for many years, um, maybe. And on 30. her own? On her own? Um, she used to be in a community, and at the moment, she's not. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you know, uh, where? how is she living now? Where is she living? Is she on her own? Does she have an apartment or a house now? She has, uh, a, a, like, a small apartment in sort of like a retirement, um, Catholic retirement residence, and mm-hmm. she looks after um, uh, an elderly priest who mm-hmm. also has a unit there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well... Um, does she have anyone that wants to join her in this venture? Uh, yes, she does. Uh, I'm not sure how many, but she does have, um, I don't know. I don't know how many, but yeah. Okay. My suggestion, forget land, forget finances, forget all that. It's premature. My suggestion is that whoever wants to be part of this uh, mission this community that she start meeting with them regularly in her apartment or at a park or anywhere, any uh, uh, parish hall or a room, wherever she can find, start meeting with them, uh, decide what rule of life she wants to live, whether uh, decide what rules she wants to follow. If it's St. Augustine, if it's Dominican or Benedictine, whatever she wants to follow and begin teaching them and begin following the rule. You don't have to live together immediately to do that. To begin to follow the rule, to live that life, to get together minimum once a week, to pray together, and let God bring, let God do this. Forget buying and all that. That's just, it's, to me, it's all premature. Um, you could do that if you had the money, but um, uh, 
you, this it needs to be of God. So I would just begin to do what you want to do. Um, if you want to have perpetual adoration, uh, meet a minimum once a week. Uh, it could be daily, whatever you wish, in a church that has adoration. So you come together as a beginning community, and you, you have adoration, and then you have a time of, of study together on whatever rules she's going to uh, uh, conform her community to, um, and let them pray together. Um, they will. She can form uh, an association of faithful. Anybody can do that. You don't need even a bishop for that. Uh, any few people that get together to do a work of God or work for the church, it's an automatic association of the faithful. There's no problem with that. Um, the the permission comes the next step, which is a public association of the faithful, which must be formed under the approval of a bishop. So. At the moment, the Holy Father in Rome has said there are no new communities to be approved by any bishop outside of the approval of Rome. So she'd have a very hard time starting this at the moment, my thought. Um, uh, But she could still try it and see what God will do. God's hand is not short. He can do whatever he wishes. I would just start it, do the work, see what the women are willing to live, um, let her lead, and, and let her see how God grows this up. And um, sooner or later, she should meet with her bishop uh, to get his approval. The normal way to start a religious order is, the best way is to go to a bishop and give him your uh, dream, what you think God is calling you to. And he can just say, okay, gather your women, do what you want, let me know what happens uh, in six months. So the bishop is aware of it, and he, in a good six months or a year time, can begin to discern if it's a work of God. Okay. And then at what point um, does the, um, do you feel that the property comes into play? Well, and one of the women who want to join may have property. Right. I, I've had a number of women who want to be part of what, what we're doing here, and some of them have written me, I have 35 acres, I have this, I have a big house. You know, we never took advantage of that. But there's a lot of women uh, who, want, who would want to be part of something that have houses and lands and, or money uh, to help. So I would just let that happen naturally. Okay. All right. Well, that helps. Um, I was feeling very much at a loss uh, as to how to assist when she asked me to... She doesn't drive, so she needed uh, someone to take her around and look at the properties. And okay, that's I just fine. Helpless, so. I, no, uh, that's all fine. Your heart is good. I, I think it's a bit premature. She doesn't have the money. Um, she doesn't. She's not established. I think it's it's premature. When when God puts a vocation on someone's heart, they will be living that vocation apart from community land and houses. They'll be living it, and so if she thinks God wants her to start a community of sisters of perpetual adoration to help marriage and family, um, you can do that without land and houses. Just begin to bring women together to pray. Again, decide on a rule, begin to form them, and land can come within a year or so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. All right, Very Marie. Good. 
All right. Thank you God. so much for your guidance. You're welcome, sweetheart. And uh, we have a call from Philip, I see, huh, James? Yes, we do. And Philip is a regular caller and listener. And welcome back to the show, Philip. It's good to hear from you again. Well, mom's going to tell mother on your move to Tyler, Texas. Yes. Um, we're of the same ethnicity. I had one question, historical. The church, Eastern Rite churches that had are in communion with Rome. What time, like the Chaldeans and the Byzantine and the Syro-Malankan churches, when did they start in relationship to the Roman church? Yeah, your voice is coming along really foggy and cloudy. I don't know why. I'm having a hard time distinguishing your words, Philip, but um, you're talking about the East-West schism of the churches that broke away from Rome, or are you talking about the Eastern churches that are in communion with Rome? The Eastern churches that are in communion with Rome, when did they start in relationship to the Roman church? Oh, got it. Well, um, it didn't shift to the Roman church. I, um, oh my, you know what? I have to look that up. So the church began in the east, not the west. It began, well, no, it began in, in Jerusalem. Um, but um, uh, I, I can't answer you. There's 23 rites, R-I-T-E-S, in the Catholic Church. And um, uh, most of them eastern. It's the Roman rite that's western. So I don't, I don't have uh, my... Um, information on all of that. I have to look it up, Philip, dear. I'm so sorry about that, but um, the Eastern churches are older, and they're closer to the synagogue. The first time I ever went to a Ukrainian Byzantine Eastern church, fully in union with Rome, I, I, I was overtaken by the beauty and the reverence, and how close it was to the synagogue. I love the Byzantine Church. I love it. And um, I love many of the Eastern rites. Um, uh, someone once said when we listened to the uh, um, uh, the uh, liturgy of John Chrysostom, um, Eastern liturgy, it's, it's hauntingly beautiful. It's just beautiful. Uh, had I not been brought into the Catholic Church in the Latin rite, uh, the Roman rite, I, I might be Byzantine. Um, it's, it's truly beautiful. But, so it's older, closer to the synagogue, came right out of the synagogue, but I, I, I don't know the dates offhand, Philip. So sorry, sweetheart. We could look that up. Go to catholic.com. Yeah, I, can, I have to look it up. I don't know if Byzantine rite churches have their own version of RCIA like I went through, you know, at St. Mary to Angels. I took, I took the name, I, I just got the confirmed last uh, Easter vigil. I, I remember, Philip, sweetheart. I do remember. Yes. How are you doing? My Okay. Terrence Benedict of the Cross, which is a masculinized version of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Mm-hmm. Yes. God bless you. God bless you, Philip. I'm so thrilled. And you are in a Byzantine church now? No, I'm in a Roman church. Okay, you're in a Roman church. No, as far as I know, the Byzantine churches certainly have instruction. I don't know if it's RCIA. Um, um, I, I don't know that. RCIA is fairly new. I think it's a development after Vatican II and has not been a very good 
uh, introduction into the Holy Roman Catholic Church for most people. But um, no, no, um, good for you, good for you. But don't hesitate to go to the Byzantine churches or the Eastern Rite churches at all. Maronite, they're very beautiful. I walked into a Chaldean church. You know, the priest says, your name is Shaper, funny look Middle Eastern. Let me guess, you're Jewish, right? Yeah, how did you? How did you guess? Come you know, on. Then against, yeah, then against some Jews are have platinum blonde hair and blue eyes. You know, I mean there were there were like three diasporas: 586 BC, and the, that was the Babylonian; 722 the Assyrians. They don't know what happened to the ten tribes. I think they intermarried with the Assyrians, and then you have the what well, we are part of the 70 AD diaspora with the Romans conquering uh, mm-hmm. Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. Philip, you're a dream. What was that church you went into? St. Mary of the Angels. Okay, that's the one who the priest said you're Jewish? No, it was the um, Chaldean church. Oh, Chaldean, yes, okay. Yeah, they claim to be straight from uh, Abraham, or of the Chaldeans. Philip, I'm so glad you called, my dear one. We'll be right back after the break. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as the Catholic Current. Father Robert McTagg discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to the Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show. Weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time. Weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We look forward to joining you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. Praise be to Jesus. May God love you. Are you holding on to an old car or truck because you think dealers won't want it? Then consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is a great way to turn your unvalued vehicle into a powerful gift for Catholic Radio. You'll be taking part in our evangelization efforts to continue spreading Christ's love throughout the world. Our Lord uses Catholic Radio to draw more people to Himself, and one of the best ways to support the Station of the Cross is by contributing to our vehicle donation program. The process is safe and simple. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's the stationofthecross.com or 1-866-628-2277. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at one 877 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. Beloved, 
This is Mother Miriam live, and I am live, and I am Mother Miriam, and I'm thrilled to be with you, and I love your calls. Um, we have a good 10 minutes, and I think one or two callers on the line still. Yes, James? Yes, we do have our dear friend Denise from Toronto. We haven't heard from in a while, so I'm excited for this call. Welcome back to the show, Denise, and how are you this morning? Oh, I'm great. Thank you. James. And, uh, <laughs> I'm so glad, glad to be back. <laughs> yes. I have been listening, but yeah. But um, today I, I have a, um, I guess with the exaltation of the cross, my pastor this morning had, um, gave a homily and he mentioned the the relics of the cross and it being in a church in in um, Rome. And I know I know there are a lot of you know relics all over the world um, of the cross, but I just wanted to make mention of um, like I've been to Rome many times, been blessed for work for visit family pilgrimages. Wow. And the last time I was there, I was visiting my cousin, and she lives not far from Termini Station. She's taking a walk, and I saw a sign or a road sign that said, um, Basil at Santa Croce de Jerusalem. And I said, what is that? And I walked there, took a walk. It was a church. It's actually a basilica. And in that church, they actually have the, yeah, they have the relics of the um, cross, the actual cross. They have um, part of the cross beam of the good thief. And they even have, and this gives me shivers, the the um, actual inscription that was placed over Jesus' head on mm-hmm. the cross. Mm-hmm. They have some other relics there as well, like part of the, um, from the Grotto of Nativity, etc., and the thorns from Jesus' crown of thorns. And I guess for myself, after being in Rome for so many times, thinking that I visited all the churches that had the special relics and had, you know, the saints and everything. I just couldn't figure out why this church was empty. They actually had the Blessed Sacrament exposed. Oh, it was wow. like an adoration chapel where they have this reliquary. And I think there, in the t- whole time I was there, there's only one or two people there. Yeah. My cousin, who's lived there all her life in Rome since she was young. Probably never been. She didn't even know. She's, she, yeah. she actually is a pianist, and she plays the music at a lot of churches. That's her job. And um, she didn't know about this. And I was like, she was telling me maybe it's because it's not in the way of the other churches, like it's off-site. Yeah, I've been there myself. I've been there myself. I don't know. I just don't know. We have a real loss of faith. Um, If people don't go for the relics, they surely should for our Lord, who's there and exposed. But um, we just have a loss of faith. People are enmeshed in the world. And with all that's happening in the world today, Denise, you think it would drive them to adore our Lord like that, but, but it doesn't. So it's a mystery. It's a, we have so much that we just take it for granted. I agree. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that so that if there's any, anyone <laughs> listening who's happening yes. to go to Rome, that please do yeah. make a, a trip there. You will not regret it. You'll That's be so right. blessed to see yeah. it. So Holy Cross of Jerusalem. I just wanted to spread the word. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy about that, Denise. God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you. Okay, and we do have another caller on the line. This is Julie from Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Julie, and you are on with Mother Miriam. Go ahead with your question or comment. Hi, Mother Miriam. Hi, Julie. Um, Hi. Um, My husband and I, we recently moved to Nashville, Tennessee, in the hopes of finding a more devout community. Um, I quit my job um, about a year and a half ago to homeschool my children, 
and had a major reversion back into the Catholic mm, faith. Blessed be God. Um, yes, it's wonderful. Um, Do you have a reversion uh, because you homeschooled your children? No. At the beginning of the pandemic, the Blessed Mother just had been kind of tugging at my heart. And um, I, I would describe myself as one foot in, one foot out, maybe a lukewarm Catholic. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I've had um, a, a reversion fully back into uh, the Catholic faith. Fantastic. Um, and I was born and raised Catholic, went to mm-hmm. Catholic school. Um, and recently my oldest sister is getting married for the second time um and she is not getting married in the church uh her first marriage was about 20 years ago and it was in the church and um her husband was unfaithful to her and which she definitely did not deserve and so she's getting married for for the second time now and um my husband and i have we have prayed about it and we believe that we can't attend the wedding and bring our children there. Um, as you can imagine, it's brought a lot of backlash from my And she family. didn't get an annulment from, she did not get an annulment from her first wedding marriage? She did, she did not get an annulment okay. and she does mm-hmm. consider herself Catholic. She is mm-hmm. a baptized Catholic. Um, I asked her, do you consider yourself Catholic? She said yes. Um, and so, no, she is not, um, she, she does not want to, or she's made the choice not to go through the annulment process, but, um, you must tell her that you go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All of this has just stirred up a lot of emotions within my family. And so, um, they of course disagree with us. So that's. You know, if you have any recommendations on I do. number one, are we making the right choice? Number yes. two, how to, I guess, deal with, with easy. this. Very easy. You say to your family, you have raised us Catholic, mom and dad. If, are they still alive, your parents? Uh, my dad recently passed. My mom is alive. Say, mom, you've raised us to be Catholic. You raised us children to be Catholic. You s- brought us to church. You brought us to Catholic school to learn the faith. Why would you want us now in our adult years to turn from God and take the road to hell? Why would you want that? If your daughter, my sister, marries this man, she will be living in adultery because her first marriage is not annulled. So she was married in the church if that marriage was valid in God's eyes, then she's married, period. And she's a married woman dating another man, which is sinful in itself. And if she marries him, she will be living in adultery. And she will be putting herself and the man she claims to love on the road to hell. Why would you want me? Why would you as a family who claim to love one another want to support our sister putting herself in mortal sin and on the road to hell. Why would you want to celebrate and support her in that? That would be my approach. Okay. I think you're, you're validating everything that, um, you know. Yes, but you have to be able to say it, but you need to say it. You need to say it. Don't say, well, we disagree. It's not, not, it's not you. It's not your opinion. The church teaches that what God has joined together, no man can put asunder. And the fact that her husband was unfaithful 
that's his accountability before God. But she is married, and she's made a vow, till death do we part. And unless that marriage goes through an annulment process, and the tribunal determines that it was never valid to begin with, then it's still married. Then they're still married, and she has no right to date or to marry. She has every right to live a holy life and offer her sacrifices for his conversion. That's her vocation. Okay, that's very helpful. Good. And then I guess I know you're coming up on the end of your show, but... That's um, okay. You know, do you have any advice for just dealing with, like, family members? So I feel like we are we are the only ones in our family or close to the only ones that have kind of stepped out on this island, and we're just on this island alone. And some days it feels lonely, but I know it's, the, I know it's what yeah. God wants for us. There's our closing music. Jesus was lonely. He walked a lonely walk. Live your faith with not resentment, not uh, pity, but gratitude for God that out of your whole family, you believe, you love, you live the faith and ask God to so love them in all your ways that he will draw them through your lives to the faith in full measure. That's what you need to do, Julie. You have a task. Okay, everyone, God bless you and we'll speak with you tomorrow.